welcome to another episode of Sicker the Most. I'm your host, Steve, and I got my guests laughing at me. <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. Um, no, I got, a, I got a good friend on the show. Um, we have actually had, you know, just a little Sicker the Most history. We have had her boyfriend on the show. Mm-hmm. Season, season one, episode, was it 20-something? But uh, Nate D, um, he was on the show, and now we're honored to have, you know, the the duo. The duo. The duo. The love of his life. Yes. yes. <laughs> the moon to his stars. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I I think this is going to be interesting, too, because your guys' stories kind of like intertwine mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. They know? do. There's a history there. Is it ships passing in the night? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is going to be a great episode. Um, you know, Marissa's got an incredible story and, um, you know, she's, she's active in, uh, without giving up too much of her story, she's active in AA. Um, she works in treatment. Um, you know, she's just, just a recovery rock star without further ado. Marissa, how's it going? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Steve. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, what's up, everybody? They're they're here. <laughs> they're they're here. here just for you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so before we get too much into your detail, right? Like, or before we get in too much detail about your story, um, what was life like before the drugs and alcohol? Um, life before the drugs and alcohol. Um, you know, I grew up in a broken home. Uh, my parents were actually never married. Uh, my mom got pregnant with me. She was younger. I think she was 20 or 21. Um, and then, uh, you know, my parents were never together. So I grew up, you know, in two different homes. I grew up with my dad. I grew up with my mom. Um, you know, so already there, I felt like something something wasn't right compared to all the other kids my age. You know, I entered school um, and I was like, you know, I, I felt ashamed already that my parents were not together. So I already had that like weird hole void inside of me being like, why? Why am I not normal? Why am I not coming from a normal family? Um, my mom ended up, both my parents ended up remarrying. I love my step parents. I've known them since I was five. So they are my parents as well. But, um, you know, having two sets of parents, I grew up in Catholic school. So that was like already weird. And then, um, I wonder how many, how many drug addicts Catholic school like pumps out a year. Dude, you know, they say that we're worse, but like. You know, not actually, that's wrong. Now that I think about it, yeah, uh, everyone that I went to school with, my crew at least, we all, there's actually only one of us that's still, that's sober. Really? Today, out of like the 10 people I grew up with and hung out with on a regular basis, a lot of them died from drug use or um, alcohol withdrawal. And um, yeah, only one of us is sober. He's down, down wow. south. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, um, 
what what city did you grow up in? San Francisco. Frisco, the city. Yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. And was was growing up in in San Francisco? How was that like? Do you feel like that kind of contributed anything to um, your later drug use, or was it kind of just like did you not really see too much of that? Because you know San Francisco, like it's got its nice parts, but it's also like it's got a pretty gnarly underbelly. Yeah, I mean it's a dirty city. Um. Yeah, I would say it's it contributed because it's so easily available there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, find anything you want, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, San Francisco has the Tenderloin. TL. The TL, the L's, um, which is an open-air drug market. So, yeah, and cops, you know, are driving down the street. It just depends on what time of the month you're down there. Maybe it's the beginning and then they will start, you know, pulling over. But most of the time they're just looking at you as you're, you know, buying crack, buying pills, whatever you want. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, you can find drugs anywhere, but it's just definitely a lot easier in the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So at, at what age did, um, at what age did you start like, you know, venturing out into that, that kind of that realm and then why? Um, well, it's funny because I, I, I say this a lot when I share meetings too, um, <clears throat> that when I graduated middle school and was going into high school, so I was 14, me and my friends always said, we're not going to drink in high school until we're 17 because that felt like the perfect age. We'll drink what 17. I mean, you're not 21, but you're like kind of older. That'll be the perfect time. Um, and then we graduated and then that summer we started drinking, we started experimenting with alcohol. And I remember the first time I drank, it was someone's graduation party. Their parents were upstairs. A lot of our parents were upstairs. We were like drinking downstairs and then in the backyard. And I woke up the next day in a shirt that wasn't mine with pizza sauce all over me which I don't even remember getting pizza Pizza. or making pizza. I don't even know. Um, And I was like, that was fucking awesome. I love that. Let's keep doing this, you know. Um, And then it progressed to weed. And I also remember it was that summer. There was a kid that went to another school that started hanging around with us. And he smoked pot. And he went to public. He went to public school. Oh, he wasn't one of the Catholic school. He wasn't one of the Catholic school kids. Um. He would smoke weed. We were at a party and I went outside with him and smoked weed. And that was like not we weren't doing that yet. So I remember I walked back in. There was like two flights of stairs. It felt like a movie. And I could be like making it seem bigger than it actually was because that was a long time ago. But I remember people standing by the staircase, like looking down as we walked in and they were like, stoner 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 (laughs) like it was the most mortifying thing in the world like what (laughs) just like chanting pothead stoner like stoning me like game of thrones like as i'm walking down the street you know what i mean it was so fucked up the most traumatizing so i guess the question still remains Mm -hmm. did you ever smoke after that oh yeah (laughs) I found it. That was my jam. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, smoking weed, drinking. Um, 
obviously that's not where you left you left off or you stopped at right, right. so mm-hmm. what what did your progression look like moving forward into the 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 next few years yeah so the progression um like you said the alcohol and the wind um i grew up in the city during the hyphy movement oh okay. mac dre in 40 so we started doing all the the thizz the thizzles the ecstasy pills mm-hmm. um and i did that all the fucking time like my brain is fried like i know that's what it's from mm-hmm. So I progressed into um, the the Molly, the the ecstasy pills. I started snorting cocaine. Um, and when I started snorting coke is when it really started to go. Um, I loved how I felt on it. Um, I loved how talkative I was, how social I was. The only thing I hated is when we were out of it and you, I would feel that gnarly fucking come down. Like it's, you know, it's too late in the, it's too early in the morning now to call a dealer. There's no more. The booze is not working. Um, I'm just too fucking yacked out mm-hmm. and I'm just fucking fiending. Um, so I started doing, um, eating Norcos to get that feeling to go away. And so I could sleep. And so I would eat like 30 fucking Norcos, dude, or 30 Vicodins just like fucked my liver up. And, um, we somebody was like well why don't you just do um oxycontin and i was like what's that and they're like it's just a super strong opiate of what you're doing because this is before um they got rid of oxys you know so um because i'm old guys <laughs> you're like and it's so funny how you people are like i, I date myself because i talk about the original OC yeah the 80s. original oc 80s and you could buy like a quarter of a pill um, and so anyway, so they're like, just do oxy progressing to just smoke oxy. Um, and then, you know, like we said, they got rid of the oxycontin pills, the original OCs, and they made some ones that you couldn't, um, abuse as much. Like you could eat them, but you couldn't smoke them. And that, at that point I was addicted to like smoking foil. I was addicted to the ritual. Um, you know, it was like fun. Me and my friends would all sit in one room and like just smoke Oxycontin. You know what I mean? Um, socially. 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 But we so we started hiding it at that point, too, because, you know, that was like knock shit. It's well, well, a, h- hiding it from who? From other people. So we'd be at a party, you know, just more acquaintance acquaintances rather than like the homies. Um, so we'd be drinking, you know, snoring coke Um and we weren't letting people know that we were like smoking foil because that's weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's not quite as socially acceptable. It's not. Yeah. Like Coke and drinking, like go for it. Smoking foil with a pen, like not chill. You know what I mean? So you, ever, you come out of the closet and your nose is all black from yeah, just the backside of the foil. Itching my know, face. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was smoking um, oxys for a long time. It got really fucking expensive really expensive um at this point i was out of high school i um burned like every friendship because i would steal um i was stealing from my parents i lost my job i was as a life worked as a lifeguard and a swim instructor at the ymca and i was like stealing from my coworkers, you know and so um they eventually caught on i stole my boss's wallet and took his card and went to see, I went to a concert. I took money out 
I, you know, did a bunch of fucking pills. I went to a concert, blacked out. He knew I took the card, didn't say anything, but then had to let, let me go. And I remember he cried because I had worked there for so long. And he was like crying when he let me go because he like knew he like knew something was going on with me. But um, like I didn't cop to it. And so then I ended up going to my first rehab because I got arrested for a DUI. I got arrested for um, like under the influence of drugs or whatever. So um, I ended up going to rehab for my first time. I knew entering that I was going to continue using. It was like a cool experience. Like when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, you know, I got introduced to AA, NA, whatever. It was cool. But I just knew like I would graduate and I would just go back to what I was doing, you know. And so a tale as old as time, I graduated. I met a boy in the rooms who was much older than me, um, who was a straight up junkie. You know what I mean? He was much older. I've been smoking meth and shooting heroin for years and years and years. Um, and so that's my progression. So we relapsed together. Um, I think we did like we were on benzos. So he was like kind of blacked out and I told him to shoot me up for the first time. So he shot me up for the first time. And um, yeah, I loved it. You uh, know, and that was like at what point was that like the point where you feel like there was like no return? Yeah, that was the point. And I knew like I never knocked anyone who shot dope because I knew like the Oxy, the Percocets, you know, all that stuff. I knew that was opiates, the same as heroin. I never knocked anyone. I was never like, oh, I'm better because I'm smoking foil. I just knew the moment I would use that needle that I could not turn back. You know, so yeah, that that I remember we were in his truck, like south of market somewhere, just copped in the tenderloin, and I remember just feeling like this is good. Like, um, we always like described it as being hugged by an angel, mm. and that's exactly how it felt. There was this there was this saying that I, someone asked me, um, who is like n never even really done any drugs at all and they're like what when i told them i was like i do heroin they're like what or i did heroin yeah and like, they're like yeah I'm, just, I'm on it right now guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no no but this is this Plot is like twist. this is like this is like after like a couple years sober and they asked me and i said uh um i said i don't even know it just came to me rather randomly and i was just like it's like the warmest hug or the biggest hug from the safest person yeah until mm -hmm. it comes around and bites you in the yeah. ass and takes everything and from takes you. everything. <laughs> Ruins yeah. your life yeah. and you're sitting there fucking years later just like where's that safe hug? Yeah, yeah, where's Where the warmth? Mm -hmm. Right? Why am I just sticking dirty needles in my arm I just know. to not shit my pants? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to not throw up and fucking have restless leg. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so when you, um, when you first got that, that first like this is it, this is what uh, I've been mi missing or, or what, what, what was kind of like your thought process after that? Um, my thought process, I mean, I wasn't thinking too far in the future, like, okay, this is going to be a problem. It was just more that, um, you know, I knew it was bad, but it was more of how can I keep doing this? How right. can I sustain this? Right. 
So at and then moving forward from that, how fast? I can't imagine your life got better after that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So how how fast did it just crash and burn on you? Oh my god, a month. Wow. Like super super quick. Um. Yeah, my I got I was in sober living. I got kicked out. Um, my parents knew something was going on. I mean, I dropped you know thirty pounds really quick because you're so malnourished when you're shooting dope, and um, so they kicked me out of the house. Um, they wanted me to go back to rehab. I I can't remember. It's so blurry now. I think I tried. I just couldn't stay sober. And so they kicked me out of the house. So um, I moved into this trap house with dude. Nice. Yeah. In um, like San Bruno or something like part of the Bay Area and um, super trap house like northerners downstairs playing porno on two TVs selling fucking uh, speed uh, like an old Vietnam vet who like said he was sober, but like secretly twisting the 10 and two every day. <laughs> Like all kinds of weird shit, man. Like it was fucking weird. Damn. Yeah. Fucking a. So and then at what? Uh, how long did you make it out there before like you you went and tried to get help? Um, you know, I think probably a few months, maybe a few months. Um, I was like in and out of going to outpatient, um, an outpatient program, and then eventually everything hit the fan. I think dude lost job. I wasn't working. I think I kept going to outpatient to like maintain getting disability to like, you know, contribute to the habit. Um, so then he lost job. We couldn't stay at that house anymore. So we were homeless, like on the streets of San Francisco, like not couch surfing. Like I, you know, I hear a lot like when people will be like, oh, I was homeless. I was couch surfing, which, you know, you are still homeless, but like, dude, I stayed in a shelter south of market. You had to wait in line to get in. You had to sleep in a chair. They provided you with a donut. I think we talked about this before, a donut and a cup of coffee in the morning. And then you were on your way for the day. But yeah, there there are points where we were staying in a shelter or we like slept on the street. Mm -hmm. It was real fucked up, real fucked up. But at that point, I was still so infatuated with the dude um, I couldn't see myself stopping um, and getting help. So that I was just used to the lifestyle mm. pretty much. Yeah. So uh, cause I was about to ask too, like when in, in that process of going from like trap house to like the trap house where everything's all just crazy, yeah, you know, right. just mm -hmm. all, you know, out of pocket. And then um, to being homeless, was there ever any point in that where you were like, this isn't chill or this isn't right or this isn't normal or or do you think you just you just caught up in it all i mean of course part of me knew like this isn't you this isn't the life you were meant to live because we got we got catholic school marissa yeah. i'm not drinking until i'm 17 yeah. <laughs> now we got a couple years later yeah. marissa's in a trap house shooting <laughs> shooting heroin with, yeah. di with disability money and shit you know? <laughs> yeah i mean it, i knew it wasn't normal but i was so caught up I was just so caught up and I couldn't see it clear. I just could not see clear. Um, except how, you know, like we said, how can I not, um, how can I make sure I'm not going to shit my fucking pants right. and throw up at the same time? Right. You know? Right. So then how much, so you said that, you know, you got to, after you were homeless, like what, what got you back into recovery after that? Um, 
The, I mean, it's this whole thing that happened in the Santa Cruz mountains. I, we, we ended up, me and dude ended up in the mountains of Santa Cruz with some guy that just got out of prison and other dude. And it was this whole fucking thing where the dude was being a fucking weirdo like my dude. I don't know like what, maybe he smoked too much meth or something, but like he was being fucking weird and these guys were like, I'm going to beat his ass. And I remember being so scared because I was like, I'm about to get raped. Mm -hmm. You know, we there's no phone service. I had no idea where we were. Um, like we were in their car because, you know, we didn't have a car. We were homeless. And I just remember being like, fuck, like I am going to get raped and they're going to kill me. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And um ended up like didn't happen the guy who just got out of prison like literally five hours before I think because he hadn't seen a girl in a while or something like was kind to me and was like let's get this girl back over the hill you know to the south bay and like let's forget this shit so they jacked us for everything we had they um were also with this like little you know tweaker bitch who kept saying she wanted to like turn me out and all this stuff and I was just sitting there quietly because I was like, I don't want to say a word because I'm going to try to like pop off and be hard. And then like my life is going to be over. So I just kept quiet. They ended up like fucking beating my the guy, my dude's ass, drove us over to the hill, dropped us off in Los Gatos, like which is a really richy, nice, very nice, area. very nice <laughs> area. And you got this fucking tweaker bitch, 90 pounds, her fucking boyfriend who's just noodle grooving around the parking lot. Um and that was it. You know what I mean? That was enough. So um, he was from the Sacramento area. So we went out that way and then got back into treatment. So that kind of really and that at that point, um, I had that like gift of desperation. You know what I mean? Um, we got up to Sac area, dope sick. Um, I was just reflecting on how I'm still alive and, you know, nothing bad super bad happened to me in that that 12 hour time frame of being in the santa cruz mountains and um i was like dude like something's got to give because this shit is not fucking cool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so then and then you went up to treatment in sacramento right yeah so i and went so, up in treatment sac so that kind of from knowing a little bit about your story that kind of opened like a whole new like path for you yeah which inevitably brings you back to fresno yeah in the end yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so what what did that look like after you got sober yeah. um you stayed sober for a while right yeah two years two years mm -hmm. and then so so you you were you were in so ex explain how did that how did that recovery look right like like getting up there and having that gift of desperation and then making it like two years yeah like, what did that all look like um it looked like you know me taking suggestions you know because like i said i knew what i was doing was not fucking working and I needed help. Um, and so I gave myself to the program because I just saw people laughing and smiling and smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and like just and material things too. They like had a car, you know, they had, you know, a purse, like, you know what I mean? Like just little material things that like I no longer had. Um, and so I remember I was at, I, I worked NA at that time in SAC and, um, I went to, I went to a meeting and 
I, you know, I announced myself as a newcomer and this chick came up to me after and was like, do you have a sponsor? And I was like, no, will you be my sponsor without, I heard her share. She had a really cool story. I think she had four years at that time. Um, and she was like, yeah, sure. I'll sponsor you. And so we got into the steps, you know, and I just did, um, everything suggested of me, you know, and I, from doing those things, I built, um, a, you know, a cute little life for myself while I was out there. I got a lot of the material things back. I got my license back. I had friendships. I was waitressing. Um, I, you know, I had, I, I had, you know, some peace of mind at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then what, uh, I mean, I guess I'll spoil it for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, so you, so you relapsed after I that, right? I relapsed so after that. Is, that. And is that the last time, is that the, the sobriety before your sobriety now? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so walk us through that relapse. I think there's a lot of like there's really important yeah, stuff. There's a lot. So, know? um, you brought up that my boyfriend Nate was on this podcast. So I met me in SAC. He was friends. So I was still with that guy. That guy got sober too. Um, He's still sober, which is fucking gnarly, fucking crazy. I'm stoked for him. But yeah, he's still sober. Um, So it was like me and and the other guy, you know, we were friends. We did a lot of things together, whatever. Um, I still didn't feel safe in that relationship, even after so many years and even after almost two years of being sober, a lot of unhealthy stuff was still going on a lot of toxicity like a lot of things weren't normal and so I kind of strayed away from that relationship um and as I did that Nate and I like grew closer you know which is like kind of fucked up too like to let's be real (laughs) um and also in that time I like went away from my program that I was working I was like just um attending meetings like I was basically like one side I was just doing like the unity I wasn't being a service I wasn't in recovery anymore I was just going to meetings um and then I'll get more into that after but so I decided a drink would sounds good so me and dude broke up me and Nate like got together I was like you know what I think I'm gonna drink it sounds like a really good idea I'm a junkie I'm a tweaker I'm a crackhead like I I'm not an alcoholic though you know so like um and now I have so much fucking knowledge on like how fucking sick that is but whatever and so um I drank yeah, I drank. I So before that, I moved out of the, the house I was living at with the old dude. Me and Nate moved in together. I was bartending at this point, um, bartending and serving, and I decided to drink. So I drank. I blacked out again like the, the, the first time I drank, you know, when I was 14 years old. Blacked out. Um, and then we maintained that for like three or four days, you know? <laughs> Maintain the booze. I thought you were going to say like three or four weeks. No, 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 no. So Nate drank with me. Uh, I remember he told his sponsor the next day and I was like, what are you doing? Like, dude, don't fucking bring me into this. You're dry snitching. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? Um, Yeah, so we uh, maintained for like three or four days and um, realized like, oh, I don't really like how I feel drunk. So let's um, do what we want to do. So we shot heroin. 
Um, the best part is Nate's a diabetic. So we like didn't have access to rigs like because he has a pump. But with the pump, it comes with this like weird plastic thing that could it, where it will register the insulin and then you attach it to your body. But we like used it as like a makeshift rig. It was the worst. The needle was not sharp. You're just poking at your skin. Um, so, yeah. So we did that. Yep. With with the little diabetic <laughs> with his reader. Little, yeah, his little diabetic <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, okay. <clears throat> little sidebar. So yeah. you have to like detach that from your body. Well, right, he has like it. extras. Because oh, he's got to okay. change it. I'm over know? here thinking you're, you're just like, hey, babe, just, unplug yourself from the thing that's going to save keep, your life. That's keeping you alive. You don't need it. <laughs> so we can shoot some heroin. <laughs> I need it. Okay. Not you. <laughs> you know what it would be? I, all jokes aside, I think this would be fucking hilarious. If I'm sure there's probably some junkie out there who's created a way where they're diabetic. They've converted their diabetic insulin, like automatic insulin dispenser yeah. to shoot heroin, like on command. Yeah, probably. Like every two hours, give me like, yeah, me, shoot like, me it's like a drip, like a fentanyl drip or something. Yeah, but yeah. just like a good old black tar heroin yeah, yeah, yeah. pump yeah, or something. Exactly. If if that's not invented yet, there's an idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there you go. The things you the things you learn on Sicker Than Most. I know. <laughs> okay, so so after, so you, so you, you're, you relapsed with Nate. Um, and, um, you know, go back to, go back to shooting heroin. Uh, what did that, what did that run look like before you finally got sober this time? Cause you have over three years, right? Yeah. Three now. and a half. Yeah. So, so, so what did that look like from that last relapse run and then to getting sober? Oh my now? God. It was like a six month, seven, less than a year run. Um, so like I said, we moved into this apartment. I think we had a year lease. Um, fuck that. We weren't able to do that because I left my waitressing job. Nate was doing like carpentry, called out of his work a bunch of times. So we um, couldn't afford to live there anymore, you know. So we um, made the decision that we were going to come to Fresno because he's from here and live at his mom's house. Nice. His codependent, sweet mother. Um, and then his dad, um, RIP, Doug's in the room with us right now. Yeah, Doug is sitting in the urn right now. <laughs> I think this is perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, he saved, you know, he uh, he helped us out of a lot of jams, Nate a lot, and also me. He So he paid out our lease. So it wouldn't affect our credit. Um, and that we wouldn't owe. I mean, it's super codependent. He, he like, knew it's that. It's just because Doug's got such a big heart. Yeah, because he, he has such a big heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest, so, rest in peace. Rest in power, Doug. Um, an absolute legend. Yeah, for real. And so he like paid our lease out, um, got a U-Haul because we had to take all our stuff, come to Fresno, move into his mom's house. And then from there, it was like, it was on. I remember our first night here, he linked up with all of his friends that he used to get high with, hung out. We hung out in his friend's garage, you know, like we were 16 again. Um, just shooting heroin. Just shooting heroin. Weed. Yeah. Shooting heroin instead of smoking weed. And um, yeah, so it was like on from there every, every day, you know, looking on how, how we could stay well and not get sick. There were points in there where we were like, you know, we need help. 
I don't want to do this because, you know, at that point, I did have a little bit of time under my belt. You know, I had two years. I knew what it was like. I knew what life could be when I'm not using and drinking. Um, And so I think I went to out. We both went because we both had the same insurance. So we tried to go to the same outpatient and get um, like Suboxone to help taper off the heroin because we were so afraid of being sick. Because, you know, you know, dude, kicking dope is the worst fucking thing. Brutal. Brutal, dude. Brutal. So brutal. You're just like. You, you won't die. You won't die. But you really wish you would. You wish you fucking could. You know, I just, I hated the sweat. I hated all of it. And I was just so terrified to get sick again. And um, so anyway, so we went to the doctor separately to try to get on Suboxone Taper. They were like, you guys have a history of like coming here over and over and over again. Because, you know, it's the same insurance. So all of our charts are just connected. And so they were like, you're not a good candidate for taper, but here's what I can do. Let's get you on methadone. Perfect. And I was like, you know what? Let's fucking do it. <laughs> cool. Um, so the plan was, I think it was a 21 day taper, you know, um, go to the clinic, do a 21 day, 21 day taper um, and then be off of everything. But in that 21 days, um, which was extended longer because they didn't make the 21 days. I was still actively shooting heroin every day. Well, and it's the thing too, is like methadone's, I mean, I'm not knocking anyone who's on methadone, yeah. but when, when you're a junkie, it's kind of a joke because like you can still shoot heroin, shoot heroin. on methadone. The, yeah. the, the whole thing is like the harm reduction behind it, if I'm not mistaken, is that it's the methadone, It fi- it's so strong, so it fills up all of your opiate receptors, yep. so mm-hmm. not, no other opiates can get in. Yeah. But you just got to shoot a little you more You just got to shoot more. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, we're pros, right. you know? Um. Yeah, so I was on methadone. It sucked. Um, then you got to kick the methadone. Because then you had again. to kick the methadone. Because <laughs> you were so scared to kick. I was so scared to kick heroin, which would have been a weak tops. So I ended up kicking methadone, which I ended up doing, and I didn't feel better for months. Wow. For months, like it sticks in your bones. Because it's in your fat, in your yeah. bones, all the things. And I remember, I just remember going to like dose at the clinic and looking around and being like, whoa. Where did my life come to? It's like a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, people are bent over, ankles are swollen. I'll tell you, the best dope I ever got was in a methadone parking lot. Yeah. That shit was so fire. Yeah, that's where you go if you can't find anyone. Methadone clinic. The methadone clinic. And then the guy, the doctor there who like ran the clinic, um, I fucking think he was on drugs or taking methadone because I would have to go into one on one sessions with him and he was just not out. Oh, well, you got to, I mean, you, you can't be a hypocrite. If you're going to give it yeah. to people, you got to take it yourself, Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> you got to know what it feels like so you can, you can share that experience, you know? Oh my God. So, so what, at what point in that, that like whole debacle, the methadone debacle, and then still using on top of it and everything, at what point did you realize that, um, like the gig was up? Um, I don't know. I think. Did it go on like past? Like you're using continue a lot longer past the methadone? No, or a couple months, maybe a few months, um, maybe. Um, I think what, like one of the factors was Nate's family was just like, you guys are bums. You guys are fucking bums. We went to his cousin's wedding. Um, and it was actually funny because we were with his family last week and they were talking about the wedding and, uh, 
we were like joking because they were like, I think you guys left early. And we were like, yeah, well, we had to leave early because the dope sickness caught up with us. So we had to go. And his one cousin goes, I remember seeing you guys. It was the first time I had met her. And she was like telling the bride, her sister, like, um, Nate's here with his girlfriend. And I'm pretty sure his girlfriend's like really sick. Like... <laughs> Just because I was, I was literally 95 pounds, dude. I was gross. I was super sick. Like, I, and me, it was gray as fuck. Like, his skin was just a gray hue at all times. <laughs> um, and then so they were joking last week, and they were like, we thought you had tetanus or something. Like, you guys looked fucking rough. Um, so, yeah, but I think, you know, his family was like, you guys are bums. Like, my my parents came out to surprise um, they like were in contact with me and they were driving back from LA. So they were like, um, let's meet up and surprise her. And I remember them seeing me and just the look on their face was like, oh my God, you know, cause I would talk to them on the phone, um, here and there in text, but like they hadn't physically seen me. So, you know, when you see someone, you fuck is your tell, you know, right. like I said, I was like 95 pounds, like, yeah, I'm sober. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm not using. I just got really skinny. Wow. You and, know. And so before that, were you? Did you kind of have them convinced over the phone and the text that you were that you were good? That you yeah. Were clean? Yeah. Well, I think I did. I, you know, probably not. We always think we're better. At, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Than we actually are. Yeah. Just adding all these like details of lies. You know what I mean? Like I have to be super specific so that they really think I'm being honest. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like now I like forget to text my mom back like, uh, and I won't text her back for like a whole day. Yeah. And, like she doesn't even suspect anything. But when I was using, it was like every, like she texts me. Oh yeah. I'm doing so great. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing yeah. super good. I'm, yeah. I'm over here. Just got back from the gym yeah. as I'm like <laughs> fixing in the rear view yeah. mirror of my car. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I know. Well, you probably did some like bicep crawls to just like get your blood flowing. Yeah, my thing was my thing was uh, a plank. Oh, smart. Because I, I couldn't. I like a push up. I would just. I shot up so many times a day. I couldn't do. But I'd no, be, you I'd be can't doing, even like, hold yourself ten, up. Yeah, no. But I do a plank. <laughs> yeah. And it would get those veins in your neck just big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to work out. Yeah, that's pretty, it. Pretty good. I used um like those workout bands to like do some bicep curls yes. <laughs> to to get my blood pumping. <laughs> You can like, probably use them as a turner kit too. Yeah, exa- no, exactly that. It was two and one. Boom. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they give those to the at the methadone they or should. At, the, at the needle exchange. Yeah, they should. Turner kits. No, fresh water. Uh, vitamin C. If vitamin you're doing C. fennel patches, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then just like a nice like exercise band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like take care of yourself here too. Right. You know yeah. what I mean. Fitness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Health and wellness, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you always think it's a joke when they're at the needle exchange and they have that one out in uh in oakland had this i think it had this banner for a while and it was like it said um it said like safety or something like that with like a nice like i don't even know what to what how to explain it but it's like like a medical banner where yeah. it's like safety yeah and it just has like a like a like a like a pink background or a light red background and it's just like everything's like looks all fancy and everything yeah. like the ner- the staff are all dressed yeah. up and then it's just like the line of like zombies of zombies yeah they make it seem like it's way nicer than it is and it's sad too dude like the needle exchange in the city people would be dead on the street outside for days dead and no one would know yeah they would just think it was someone knocked out 
Oh my god. Yeah, just dead for like two, three days, just rotting outside the needle exchange. Wow. Dude, it's like it's fucked. It is pretty fucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fucked. So when um when you um when your parents came out, was that kinda like when and saw you? Like was that really when like the gig was up and you had to really like go and get help after that? Yeah. Um I think why I have younger siblings is like I said earlier, my parents remarried and had more kids. So I saw one of my sisters and I just, I just remember being like, fuck dude, what kind of sister am I? You know, I'm like, I'm not a fucking role model. You know, I don't think my parents were ever like your sister shoots heroin, but you know, they've known that something's not right. You know, yeah, Marissa's out of the picture. Yeah, Marissa's gone. She's missing. Like they don't, you know, they she doesn't call, she doesn't text, like anything. And I just remember seeing her and just being like, "Holy fuck!" Like, ugh, like what kind of sister am I? What kind of daughter am I? Like, what kind of anything? I'm nothing. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, what? Then what? What was your process getting sober this last time? Um, so I was still on methadone, still shooting heroin. I can't like remember exactly what Nate and I like had a conversation. We were like, it's time, you know, it's, it's time to go. Um, but the plan was, you know, cause our plans were so great. Oh yeah. He was going to go and I was going to stay at his mom's because if we're just not together, I can get sober and he'll get sober in rehab. You know what I mean? The master plan. Like, we just can't be together. So we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we'll part away. He'll go to treatment. I'll do outpatient and meetings and the, that whole thing. So he leaves, goes to treatment, and I can't stop. <laughs> so you're just, you're just shooting all the dope at, I, at his mom's house. Finally shooting all the dope. He's not watering my shit down. <laughs> I'm fucking cooking it myself. I'm doing all of it. And he's in treatment. And I remember his dad, Doug, took, we went up there one day to visit. And Nate had called and he's like, please bring me a dime bag. Please, 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 please. And you know, the fucking good girlfriend I am. You brought him that I dime bag. Him that dime bag. Up to um, the rehab he was at, which he now works for, um, which is, you know, a beautiful story. And um, then I and then so prior to visiting him, I couldn't stop. It'd probably been like a week. Right. Could not stop calling the dealer every day. All these things. And so I was like, fuck, dude, I I'm not going to be able to get sober. Nate's going to get out of treatment and I'm still going to be using, you know, so I went to Kaiser and I was like check it out like I can't stop using I'm strung out on heroin I'm strung out on methadone I'm smoking speed every day like I need help and so they were like okay let's get you to rehab so the day before I left I went up to visit him with his dad brought him a dime bag plan was I'm going to rehab um I went to rehab in Santa Cruz back in the mountains and um he'll stay there and so I went to treatment. His mom drove me down to Santa Cruz. I was fucked up the whole time. Um, I had, I remember I was so mad. I had dope on me. Um, and I nodded out so hard the night before that I woke up at six in the morning and still had dope. So like the last shot of dope I did, um, I, um, could not find a van cause I couldn't find my, my workout band. Oh no. <laughs> so I had to, 
tip, you know, rips in the tip off and I had to shove it up my asshole. The, the last shot the was last a booty bump. The last shot was the booty bump, But dude. I think that's what makes, that's what makes the winners. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, like yeah. in the previous, like I think two episodes ago, um, when I had, uh, I had this dude Eric on, fucking killer episode, and his first drink sober was his piss sitting on the counter from the night before. Gross. So it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like stories like that is what makes yeah. the winners. Yeah, exactly. The la- Your last shot wasn't even a shot. It was a booty bump. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a booty bump. Yep. I still think about that. Like, God Incredible. fucking damn it. Yeah. Because I was in a panic. It's time to go. You know, Santa Cruz is two and a half hours away. I had to be there for my intake. I was going to go. There was no doubt for me to not go. But I had to finish my drugs. Because I was never like, like, when I hear people saying, I flushed my shit. I had enough. I'm like, no, what? My plan was always like, I, I've got to finish it. And then... Then I'll get sober. Right. What do you mean flush your shit? It's like there's only so much drugs on this planet. I right? know. You know what I mean? I they can only make it so fast. I right? know. So why would we waste it? Exactly. There, there's someone out in, in the tenderloin who could really appreciate that. I know. Guilt. So I'm being an ungrateful little shit by I not know. doing it all right now. I know. I know. Exactly. We're exactly. sick. Sicker, sicker than most. Yeah. So, okay. So you go, you're on your way to Santa Cruz and you get there and is, 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 what did that obviously something was different this time yeah right yeah this is, you 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 maintain sobriety what what's your sobriety date november 28th 2017 2017 mm-hmm. nice um so when you got there something had to change right right and so mm-hmm. what did what did that that process process <clears throat> excuse me what did that process look like as you're, as you're, you know, starting your new sobriety? Um, it looked like, well, it looked like me dying because I came off the methadone. And so, excuse me, it was, um, I remember, so I chose going to the camp because they said they give you Subutex. Nice. So I was like, yeah, I can take that while still, you know, have the methadone and heroin in my system. Um, I get there and they lied to me and they were like, no, you have to have three days off. And I, I remember seeing the doctor for like my initial appointment and I was like, what the fuck? Like I was had a dude, a bad attitude. And even as like a fucked up kid in the city drinking, using, like I was still polite to like, <laughs> you know, uh, doctors, people at restaurants. I was yeah, I'm never a junkie, but I got manners. Yeah. I have my, you know, my mom's still raising his manners. Okay. Even though I'll steal from you. I'll be nice. But yeah, I'll be nice to your face. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I will take your money. Um, I remember being like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you told me to keep dosing. If that was the case, I would have just not gone to the clinic and dosed and just shot heroin until I got here. And I remember he was like, well, uh, or you could have died. And I said, buddy, I would have died a long time ago if I was going to die. You know what I mean? Just a fucking attitude. Just yeah. on a sick one. And so I fucking felt like dying. I was so sick. Like, you know, the it finally caught up with me having to get dope sick, even though I tried to make all these plans in place to not get dope sick. Um, so I showed up the first day. I was cool. went to the doctor because I was high. went to the doctor. And then, like, you know, a couple hours after the doctor's appointment, I was dead. 
And so I had met a bunch of people, you know, in the moment I was high when I arrived and then on the way to the doctor and then I was gone for a week because I could not emerge from the detox cabin. Um, And so finally, like my numbers were really high that they were like, okay, like we'll give you Subutex. So I was like, fuck yeah, this is what I've been waiting for. Like, this is why I'm here. (laughs) Hello. And um, so I took it. I felt, you know, obviously way better. Um, I came out of my cabin. I was like talking to all these people and I, all these guys that were doing the same thing I was doing on methadone, on heroin, um, on the, you know, all the opiates. They were like, don't like it was like a ghost story because the camp's like summer camp the rehab I went to you're in cabins there's a pool volleyball whatever so it was like telling ghost stories I like emerge I'm feeling great and they're like don't take the subutex and I'm like why and they're like because you're gonna end up having to kick it again so then I was like fuck you're right So I had this like moment of clarity where I was like hey I'm so afraid of getting sick I keep like just you know uh, delaying the inevitable so then I refused the rest of the subutex so the next day I was like they were like if you refuse you're still gonna have to be off detox and join group you know per per no per insurance um and all this stuff and I was like I don't care just I'm gonna do it you know what I mean and so I refused the subutex and I was you know I felt really sick still for a long I, I would eat it I would throw it up I would feel better for a second then still get the chills um, headaches, all the things, the body aches. So I, you know, normally like, cause I've gone to a few rehabs, like I said, you gain, you know, the rehab fucking 50, Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the 30 days you're there. But I was so sick for the 30 days I was there. I came in at 95 pounds. I came out, uh, still a pretty skinny, uh, low weight for like my height, you know, cause I was so sick. I was just so sick. So I was like, ooh, beat that. Didn't gain the rehab fucking 50. Okay, that's a fucking win. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> and, and so then when you got out, what what did you start doing to help, to help maintain that sobriety? Oh, okay. So, but, so before I uh, got out, so when I got off blackout, I called Nance's mom to get a hold of him because I didn't have the the number for where he was at. And I remember I she answered and I said, hey, like, can I have the number for um, the treatment center that he's at? And she goes, oh, honey. And I knew, I knew. I was like, he left. And he she's like, he did. He's been home for a week. I didn't want to talk to him. I knew he was fucking getting loaded. And I was pissed because like, well, that was the plan. So like, I knew I wasn't gonna be able to stay sober. So here I am in rehab, like felt like doing my part because you were in treatment and then you fucking left. How dare you? Now you're getting high. I'm over here dying. I'm dying. You know, I, I want to die. I'm so sick. And so um, anyway, so he came to visit on one of the family visits. You know, I was able to have fucked up, just so fucked up. I was pissed, dude. I was like, you're fucking high. How dare you come here? And then he's like, I'm not high. I promise. I love you. (laughs) I love you. All this shit, dude. And so I was like, give me your lighter to like light a cigarette. And it was dead. You know, and normal people lose their lighters before before. they die. Long before. Yeah, like you're cooking dope. You're smoking speed. Like you're smoking. Like you're, you're, when the lighter dies, because you're doing those things. You know what I mean? Even like when you smoke weed, you 
still lose that fucking lighter. Yeah. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, but the junkies and the tweakers, like we hold on to that shit because like we don't have money to get a nice big lighter. No. You know what I mean? No. That cuts into like the money we had for dope. Right. You know what I mean? Anyway, so I was like, I'm done. You suck. And so um, we broke up. So then I, I graduate. I go to Sober Living. I get a sponsor. And then I'm like introduced to the rooms again. Um, this time I decided to work Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, there was no preference on why. Like this, the girl that I asked to be my sponsor worked AA. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to work AA. Um, so that was like the first time I started reading the big book. Mm-hmm. The first time. I mean, I had like read it in rehab. Um, I met a woman out here that I was reading it with. Oh, yeah. So I met a chick out here when I was staying here. And so we would read it. But so but my sponsor in Santa Cruz was the the one who the first one to take me through the book fully. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and what has your experience been like with AA in your life now? Dude, uh, I love it. I love it. But I won't lie. You know, in the last three and a half years, I have drifted. I have drifted from the program. I've been full of resentment, full of fear, not enough time in the day, all these things, you know, all these reasons. Um, and so I would I would drift away and I'd be like, eh, they're clicking and like none of the girls want to hang out with me and blah, 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 like all these reasons. But really, I like wouldn't give them my full self. Right. You know what I mean? I wouldn't give them the full Marissa. I wouldn't open up. I would just expect them to like talk to me, you know, and all these things and it, it's not, you know, it's not like that. It's a two-way street. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but yes, I, I got through that. I did like my first AA four-step, um, went through my amends. Nate and I were broken up. I gave him an amends um, while I was living in Santa Cruz. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so at what point did, because um, obviously you moved back to yeah. from Santa Cruz to mm-hmm. here. So now mind you, let's, <laughs> let's do a little, let's do a little, let's, let's, let's do a little history class real quick right here. Yeah. So, um, three and a half years ago, yeah. Nate came to visit. You said, fuck you. you. Yeah. You fucking suck. You're burnt. You're burnt. Yeah. You and your fucking dead lighter can go <laughs> shove it. <laughs> now we are sitting in, um, Nate's house Yeah. Mm-hmm. where you guys currently yeah. live yeah. and are happily together yeah. and live in your best life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. someone who, someone who, you know, <laughs> you cursed off in rehab. Now yeah. you guys are back together and in a, in a wonderful relationship, yeah. you mm-hmm. know? Um, but what did, uh, what did your kind of, um, what did your, you know, process of moving from beautiful Santa Cruz, know. you know, I by know. the beach, I just, know. just vibing, just like go from there life. to like coming to all oh, my Bay area friends say it's the, it's, it's the asshole of, of California. Yeah. You know, the they're, armpit they're, asshole. They all talk shit to me cause they all live in beautiful Los Gatos yeah. and Santa Los Clara, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> but like what, so, so you, you know, you'd make a demographic with what, like two and a half years sober. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. how did you get through that? Um, I, so why did, why did I even move here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, wait, why am I here? Um, well, the pandemic hit 
You know what I mean? So I was living is so last March, March 2020, living in Santa Cruz. Um, Nate and I had been together like a year, just about commute, like not commute, long distance back and forth. Oh, how did Nate and I? That was the question. I gave him the amends. We would talk here and there. Um, my my friend had died who she was in a car accident who I'd met at the camp and she was originally from Clovis and she actually went through the rehab that Nate now works for and he was working there at the time so I had like reached out to him and been like hey is it true is she gone whatever whatever and so then um I was coming back to Fresno to visit um a friend that I made, you know, while I was living at Nate's mom's house and he had happened to text. So then we, we would text here and there, but nothing substantial. Um, and then he happened to text me on like a Thursday before I was driving up to Fresno for the weekend after work. Right. And he was like, Hey, how are you? Like, how you doing? I'm like, Hey, I'm good. And I was like, he's like, we should catch up. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm actually going to go to Fresno this weekend to see, you know, our two friends. Um, Maybe we can. I was like, maybe we can get coffee like on my way out of town on Sunday. Okay, like I'll see you at the Starbucks on the 99. (laughs) Okay, like literally that was my thought process. And so then I I pull into town. Oh, I pull into town and my friend and her husband were like, we saw Nana at the meeting, you know, we're, we're going to dinner tonight, which I had already known about. They're going to do a business dinner. So I was just going to hang out at the house. So they were like, <clears throat> we told Nate to just take you out to dinner instead of going to get coffee on your way out of town. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And at this point, I like really had no motive, no nothing. Like it, it was just, there was no, there was literally no feeling behind it. Like I remember me and my friend drove up to Shaver and we were driving back down the hill and she's like, um, are you nervous? Do you want to date him again? All this shit. And I was like, no, a thousand percent not. Like, I do not want to be with him again. I miss him. Probably I miss him as a friend. Um, but never. Like, I would never reopen that that can. You know what I mean? Um, and then she, I remember she was like, well, you never know. And I was like, okay, but I do. Okay, I do know. So then anyway, we like go to dinner. And then it was just on from there. I like had this flood of emotions. I was like, who am I? Like, why am I here? Like, who are these people and then we hung out again the next day we went to like you know the big ass Sunday morning Fresno fellowship meeting then after um we hung out at the park and I remember just being like I need to tell him how I'm feeling or I'm gonna fucking feel sick and like regret it you know what I mean I was like hey like I mean I don't have like any intention behind this remote but I just feel like I need to tell you that like seeing you brought all these feelings up, but I'm not saying I want to be with you, but I'm saying like, I'm having weird feelings. Like, I don't really know how to identify them. Like, what is this? I haven't felt like towards like another, like, I mean, in Santa Cruz, I dated here and there. I never had like a serious relationship with like I did with Nate. Um, And so I was like, I haven't had this feeling in like two years. I don't even know. Like, what is this? Like just throwing up on him with words you know what I mean and then um 
I don't remember what he said. I think he was probably like, yeah, I have feelings for you too. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Knowing Nate, it's right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think I got feelings for you too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like exactly that. that. <laughs> no, no, nothing more, nothing less. Just exactly that. And so that's kind of like that what opened the, opened the door for you to like eventually move back here. Yeah. And so, so then like now like moving into Fresno, how how is that like because you know demographics happen in in sobriety yeah. and i think it's like not talked about as, yeah, as, yeah. as often like yeah. being able to go from like a, a town that you like build this i bet you i like i no, built a rad life in santa cruz yeah yep. you had the mm-hmm. life you had the fellowship you had like a support group that you'd built over there you knew where all your meetings were and now you're going to a completely different city which you kind of knew about but yeah. still like you didn't have that support right, that you had in santa right. cruz uh-huh. and so how did how did you navigate that it was fucking hard it was really really hard because like we were in the middle of the pandemic meetings weren't really opened um we had like secret squirrel meetings that were open but like like you said luckily i i had still known some people that i'd met when we were using here so i was able to like connect to them um but it was hard it was really hard i felt um like i gave like i yeah, moving in. So I was grateful because I was like, well, this is the first big move I've ever done by choice. Not because, oh, Marissa's fucked up again. She's got to go to rehab. Oh, Marissa burnt this bridge here. So she's got to move here. It was the first like grown up move where it's like, all right, I'm packing my shit. You know, told my landlord, here's my 30 days, gave my job two weeks notice and moved, you know, like grown up shit. Like what? And so, um, it was, it was difficult, um, you know, cause yeah, changing everything, your environment, your recovery, the people, you know, even with a little bit of time, it's, it's hard. As addicts, we don't like change. We don't like change, you know, you know we like consistency. Yeah. I want consistency. Um, so I came in, but you know, lucky enough, you know, I had a little bit of time, so I didn't feel like I was still that really shy, um, you need to talk to me. I don't have to talk to you. You need to approach me, whatever. Like I was just like me and like was able to open and like reconnect with the people I had met here before, um, and stuff like that. I had asked the, you know, I had asked someone to be my sponsor who, um, I had a friendship with while I was still in Santa Cruz, um, that I originally started re I think we just got through the doctor's opinion before I went to rehab in Santa Cruz. And so <clears throat> I had asked her to be my sponsor again. So I was like, cause you know, I don't want to, l- to let that go. Like let my, the recovery fall by the waistline and then get, you know, everything gets fucked up. Go obviously. back to sh- shooting dope in, yeah. Nate, in Nate's mom's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that would be a thousand percent what it would be. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, it's, it's funny. Like the, the final destination anyone's <laughs> using, right? Like the, your final yeah. destination, <laughs> your guaranteed one way ticket. If you put a needle <laughs> in your arm is Nate's bless her heart. Bless her heart. bless her heart. She's, she's one of those savage codependents. Yes. <laughs> Big time. Dude. Dude. They're, they're like case studies on, on this woman. Oh yeah. <laughs> for her codependency. <laughs> but she's the poster child. Yeah, exactly. You know, gotta mm-hmm, love it. She, mm-hmm. But shout, shout out to Nate's mom. Man. Yeah. Shout out Robin. Yeah. We love you. Love you, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> Sicker than most appreciates you. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Honestly. Yeah. Honestly. Uh-huh. So 
Let's get into it. Let's get into this book. Yeah. Let's get into this book. So you you said um, you started reading it a little bit before you got you 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 got went to rehab this last time. You got out of rehab, started working the steps, um, and now where are you at? Dude, I've had such a shift. Such let's, a let's, shift. Let's talk about that such shift. Such a fucking shift. Um, so I, you know, a little over three years, you know, I, um, I was working with that woman. I asked to be my sponsor and nothing, you know, against her or anything like that, but I wanted to die in sobriety. I didn't want to use again. Um, I didn't have the, the mental obsession or the, the crate, nothing like that, the desire to get loaded. But what I was doing, I just didn't want to live. I felt so um, discontent with life. You're just not being fulfilled. Not in your fulfilled. Okay. Even though I had everything like on the outside, right? A beautiful home. I have three, we Nate and I have three dogs. I always have to shout them out. Darby, Daisy, and Frank. Um, in that order. In that order, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I just, it makes me sad that Frank gets the end know, of the list. I know, because he's the original. Dude, Frank is so sick. I know, he's the cutest. But um, yeah, I, Nate and I would fucking fight. You, dude, oh my God. I packed my shit fully. Like completely packed everything, bro. I don't know, like 10 times. I was like, fuck this shit, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Because I was just so discontent. Yeah. You know, it was just everything. I couldn't find the solution anymore. And so um, I decided that I needed to get a new sponsor um, and really get back into the work. You know what I mean? And so um, I was introduced to a new woman who was like 24 years, fucking dope, who works out of the Big Book Awakening which a lot of people do here. I had never heard of it before. It's so funny. I had a resentment towards um, people who worked the BBA because my sponsor worked the BBA with me, you know, or it does work yeah. and everything like that. And so, you know, um, at, at, when I first got sober in like 2018, it was like an underground society. Yeah. Yeah. And then now everyone works it. Yeah. Well, like, here. Well, here in Fresno, in yeah. Fresno, yeah, yeah. 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 it's mm -hmm. kind of it's like well, because it originated in Visalia. Yeah, and that's who my one of my so my sponsor's husband, his sponsor wrote the BBA. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and I, I had this moment of resentment towards people. I'm like, man, now it's not like the cool secret thing I anymore. Know, Everyone I know. does it, but I had to let it go because it saved my life and it's saving a lot of people's yeah, lives. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. Um. So, what have been some like big things in like your recovery that you've like really been able to just like grab since you've got this new um foundation with this this new like AA like workbook? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I'm really seeing so. I, so in, in like Bill's story, right, when he's talking about having a relationship with God, like, yeah, he believes in it. He he has that old idea of the cathedral and the stained glass windows and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, he can believe in a power greater than himself, right? And that's where I am too. That's where I had been like the last three years, right? Because I've just been working with my new sponsor the last, I don't even know, the last few months or something. And so where I'm now seeing what was missing is a relationship with God. So I've completed this, this steps and I'm doing quotes because I'm, I'm working the steps now as it is laid out in the big book, which I've never done before. Like um, not, not, I'm not laid out like 
like stated stated because it's like there's must there's a, do there's a lot of wiggle room because i mean the book's direct straightforward but like there's a lot of interpretation that people do yeah. when they read that book yeah and if you just boil it down to like yep. the basics yeah there's very clear and concise you know directions, directions. Mm-hmm. it's just that it's not like a one two three yeah. it's not numbered basically exactly so you have to kind of like actually like pay attention every yeah. word every word in the big book is there for a reason exactly and so yeah and the big books are textbook you know we start from start from the beginning to the end you know yeah. what i mean um and so yeah so that's that's what i i realized that's where i was lacking so i met her the first time and she was telling me about um you know she could tell that i'm in the place that she was in at 15 years sober like couldn't stand anyone oh that person's weird that person's gross don't talk to me like just restless irritable and discontent you know what I mean and she's like I can see that that's where you're at I was the same way I'm like that guy's a creep that girl's fake uh uh, my boyfriend sucks uh like I suck like I should have this I should have that um why isn't my life like hers you know all these things right all these things and it's um what was lacking is a relationship with God, you know, and something. Um, oh, and that's what I was saying about the old ideas, right? Is that I I believed in a power greater than myself, like, you know, Catholic school girl. I was like, cool. Yeah, God. Um, yeah, I can believe in a power greater than myself. But did I have a relationship with God? Was I reliant on God? No, a thousand percent. No. You know yeah, what I mean? You, you can believe but not turn it over. <clears throat> exactly. Right. Exactly. And I never turned anything over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, what does that look like in your life, turning it over? Turning it over. This is such a... I, I feel like... I don't know. Maybe I'm just not listening. Maybe I'm not right. going to the right meetings. But right. I feel like not a lot of people talk about what is turning over. They always say, well, then I turned it over. And then I got results. And, and it's like, well, that's great. Good. But what does turning it over look like to you? Yeah. Um, so to me, it means how can I best serve God in that moment? You know what I mean? So I'm in a situation where I'm upset, uh, I'm resentful, or I got to let go of controlling finances, controlling what I do for a living, all these things. Um, <coughs> and I have to turn it over by asking praying to God how can I best serve you in this moment how can I be an agent of God you know what I mean that's how that's what I think of it have you, have you ever been screwed over because that um probably really I mean but I think you know I think because it's so much easier said than done, right? How can I best serve God? Well, no, in this no. I'm moment? saying like, okay, have you ever, have you ever like done that, right? And then yeah. had like negative results because of it. Oh no, because right. it's just you let it go. Right. Right. Because you just let it go. Because I'm no longer on like self reliance, and I'm like in God's will. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's kind of funny is like us addicts and alcoholics, like we don't like feeling pain, right? Right. So the easiest way to get out of pain and get out of suffering of self is by getting out of self and by turning it over. Yeah. But yet, why are we the last people to do that? I don't know. Isn't it a trip? It's a trip. It's Yeah, exactly. Because like a lot of people too, and myself included, will be like, I will not do any work until I'm in full suffering mode. A hundred percent. Just fully suffering and yeah that that's where i was at just a few months ago you yeah. know yeah i always say this no one 
no one gets sober because they're like, you know what? No one goes to AA because they're like, dude, my life is so great right now. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stop the drinking and like just better my connection with God. Yeah, exactly. Because, because my life is going so great. I just want it to be that much better. <laughs> yeah. No one thinks like that. No. Like, Help me. Help me. Help me. I'm kicking, yeah. I'm kicking methadone yeah. and heroin. <laughs> you know, so yeah. You know, and it just, and then, you know, we, and then we get, we get to the rooms and we just, we, we get this opportunity to, you know, um, you know, have a life that we never thought was possible yeah right? yeah like i'm you know three used to that three and a half years yeah you know so three and a half years ago you were like shooting dope in in, in nate's mom's bedroom yeah. or nate's mom his, nate's bedroom at his mom's yeah, house yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that'd be that'd be interesting if it yeah. was in his mom's bedroom yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> curl, what's up curl up in bed yeah. next to her let me just do this real quick yeah. <laughs> then i'll talk to you okay yeah. just give me a minute no you know and then now i'm sitting in your house, you know, and it's a beautiful house, you know? Yeah. It's like a, it does, it's not a trap house. No. No. I love it. It looks far from yeah. it. It's just the feng shui. Yeah. You the know? I love where we live too. Beautiful yeah. tower district, man. Shouts People out knock tower. it. Shouts People out knock tower. it, but this shit's fucking cool out here. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, it's like, I don't know. I'll go off on this tangent real yeah, quick. Tower District it. is like, it's ghetto, but like not really. Yeah. It, no, it, yeah, exactly. It's like, just that. like, it's like enough, like, you know, shadiness to be like comfortable for yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. But like not too much where I'm like, motherfucker, like my shit's getting broken into. Yeah. However, my car, I found some dude sleeping in my car the oh, other day. Oh, I love that. He just, I the door that. was open and I just drove in, I, I was driving my Cadillac back in yeah. and I saw he was just asleep in my Subaru. Oh, sick. I think he took like, do you have a pillow? No, no, in, in, no, in, on the driver's seat. He just put, he just like cranked the driver's seat back. Did you not lock your car? No. Oh, you don't? No. Well, I, I normally do. Oh, I just okay. forgot that day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know how it is. He was yeah. probably just pulling handles yeah, and he, yeah, just, yeah. he just took a nap. And he was stoked. He was so happy. He was like, I found a car. Dude, he didn't steal my sunglasses. He stole a picture of uh, me and my girl and, That's... and, um, my spare house key. Oh, that's sketch. But I got the locks changed. Oh, good. You know? good so good. no harm, no foul. But and he's just got now a, the picture of you. <laughs> he's got a girlfriend. great picture. You know what I mean? Somewhere. He's using that. Just, you know. Yeah. Hey. That's okay. I'll let him it's have good it. good to know. He needs that picture more than me, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so real quick, real quick. I know we got kind of off topic. Yeah. But real quick. So um, you've, found, you've found this new freedom in the steps yep. right because mm -hmm. you're, you're you're working the book exactly how it's designed yep. right mm -hmm. and um you know what would be and, and so, so so now you have an experience of one suffering as a newcomer and two suffering as someone who has some time yeah so i ask every host this right yeah. before the end of the episode i ask or, or every guest i guess you guys are the host right you guys, i mean yeah it's same, your same episode but different. yeah yeah so i ask every guest this at the end of of every episode is that what is one nugget of of knowledge of wisdom of hope that you would want someone who's new and suffering or someone who's had some time and still struggling what would, what would you say to them what would be that like golden nugget that you like let's say like let's say that i you know they were listening to this episode and then they just got hit in the back of the head with a baseball bat and yeah. forgot everything up until this moment yeah what would you tell them 
That's hard. <laughs> that's that's a that's a big one. I don't know. Something that just came to my mind though was have faith. Mm. Mm-hmm. Have faith. You know, ha- have faith in what God, the process, in the... everything. Yeah, in the process, in your higher power, that there is some, there is a, there is a plan. You know what I mean? Even with uh, with Doug passing away from COVID. Um, last month, it was hard, dude, knowing that he was going to die and wanting to be angry, you know, wanting to be fucking angry. Like, why? Like, why? Why is God doing that? But I remember just crying and just being like, I, I just have faith. I just trust God that whatever is happening is just happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm hmm. Maybe for a reason that we will we'll never know. We'll maybe never for, know. Maybe for a reason that we'll figure out tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Marissa, thank you so much yeah, for being on the show. Thanks this, for having me. Absolutely. Sicker the most. Needed you on. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm you know. stoked. It's been a long time coming. I gave you the shirt in advance. You gave me the shirt in advance. And people at work literally were like, you haven't even been on the pod yet. <laughs> How are you rocking the black shirt when I don't even have a black shirt yet? All the fans know, right? Like, so I came out with the white shirts that I've that I've been uh, pretty much just giving out and selling for the past two or year and a, oh shit, dude, we're coming up on two years with the pod. Yeah, mm-hmm, fuck. Mm-hmm. September of twenty twenty one will be two years, um, and so I've been giving out the white shirts. And so a lot of the OG fans either have a white shirt yeah. or know of the white shirts, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Even the first gen and the second gen, yeah. right? So the first gen doesn't say podcast at the bottom. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the second gen says podcast. Yep. But then um, a little while ago, a couple months ago, probably like, eh, I'd probably say five five months yeah. ago, I came out with the black shirts. Yeah, the black ones. With the little logo on the front yeah, and then I'm the big it. logo on the back with yep. this Instagram handle. And... Um, but those are a rare drop because I only I was only able to print a handful. Yeah, of them. you only had a few. So now, um, just to let you guys know, I know I've been getting some DMs on Instagram this past <laughs> week about the black shirts, right? Because they're starting to more people are starting to see them. Um, the black shirts I put in the order, and they are it's it's through a different printer because um, she's like a lot more cost effective. So like you know, I try not to really make too much money off the shirts. Yeah. I try to just yeah. give them out for free yeah. and stuff as much much as possible, or give them out at like for sale at cost. That's the ideal, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my codependent ass. Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I just gives them out yeah. to people that I probably shouldn't have. But anyways, um, regardless, right? So the 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 black shirts are coming out for sale uh, here um, relatively soon. As if you guys follow the Instagram, they'll be out asap or as, or as soon as I get them, I'll I'll have them posted. Um, and so thank you everyone who rocks the merch, listens to the podcast, who hits me up and, and, um, you know, lets me know they're listening to the podcast. It really means so much it means the world, right? Cause I say this every single episode, I'm like beating a dead horse. Anyone who listens to this podcast, you guys make this, this podcast something greater than just two people talking to each other on some microphones. Yeah, for you know, sure. You guys make it into something, right? And, uh, you know, you guys help me, um, you know, this is part of my sobriety, right? And you guys help me, you know, um, by listening and I just, it it really means a lot, you know? Um, and so I like to end, uh, oh, real quick before I do the ending, um, follow, if you're not following us already, follow us on Instagram, uh, 
at sicker than most podcast no caps no spaces no underscores <laughs> no cap no cap <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know follow us there um for new updates on episodes and merch um and you know let's 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 kick it off like or let's let's close it up like we do every episode you know no matter no matter what you've done no matter where you come from you are lovable and you are forgivable. So keep that in mind. Keep your head up and keep it moving. Peace.